Sorry, guys. My wife is making obscene gestures on the other side of the camera. Trying to make me laugh. Come make obscene gestures to the camera, Kelly. (laughs) Kelly, come. Come describe the obscene gestures for our listeners. Uh, for all of our listeners, that was the sound of my wife's laugh as she saw my brother's whole butt and Derek's uh, shirt come off cool, on our cool. Skype call. Welcome Super to the Hey Dad Podcast. Cool auditory experience. Hey dads and non-dads, welcome to the Hey Dad Podcast. This is a podcast where three brothers, Hello. Hey. and one guy who wishes he was our brother, Yeah, I'm just here listening to the new Snow record, Informer. Yeah, you like that? Cool, I don't cool, know cool, cool. either of those things no, 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 are. No. <laughs> Talk about dad stuff. No, he, he's white, but he does like reggae. <laughs> oh, is this our reggae episode? Do you like and, it? No. And sometimes non-dad oh, stuff. Kept, 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 kept. We felt like the way dads were portrayed in pop culture didn't really represent us or our friends very well, so we decided to start a podcast, the Hey Dad Podcast, to talk about what dad life is really like for us. Well, guys, uh, I'm really excited about the segment you're about to hear. Uh, I had a chance to interview one of my internet heroes. Um, His name is Shay Serrano. He is someone that I have admired from afar for a long time. And uh, and that one time from near when you one, found his address yeah. and waited outside his house. Yeah, I've admired him from his the bushes in front of his house for a long time. But no, he's got three kids. He's a huge sports fan. He's super funny. He's a great writer. Uh, and you can find him on Twitter at Shea Serrano as a sort of relentless force of enthusiasm and positivity and humor and is basically the type of dude I want to be when I grow up. So he was nice enough to join us. Uh, let's take a listen. Hey guys, Derek here. Hey, in this next segment, there's some colorful language used and it totally works in context, but uh, just want to give you guys a quick heads up. If you're the type that listens to podcasts in the car with your kids, maybe don't this time. All right, cool. On with the interview. One of the things that I have always appreciated about you and one of the things that sort of drew me to you is you have this, uh, you have this kind of relentless positivity about the way you approach the world and you have this contagious enthusiasm about the things you love that sort of draws other people into things that they, they may not even, they didn't even know they were going to love until, until you told them about it. And that might be the Oregon Ducks women's basketball team, or it might be the office, or it might be a rapper that you love, or it might be John Wick or just a, a whole host of other things that you just lean really hard into. And, I think especially in the age of sort of internet snark and like, well, actually, and people just uh, making their name um, being against things and nitpicking things and just being haters, you really stand out. And to me, that feels like it was a choice of yours to sort of embrace that positivity. And so can you talk about where that comes from and why that's important to you? I think that that is a that is just a holdover from being a teacher. It was just always better for the kids if you were excited about the thing you were talking about or if you were excited about seeing them 
or if you were excited about whatever sucky thing they were going to have to do at school that week at the standardized test. You just turn it mm-hmm. into, like, you know, you try to make it, if not a purely fun thing, then at least as fun as it can be. You know what I'm saying? And uh, yeah. people just people just respond better to that in, in, in my experience. Yeah, 100%. And, and sort of on that note, uh, speaking of things that you are sort of positive about, another thing that I, that I enjoy is the way that you talk about your wife. You always refer to her as the GOAT, which to be clear for anyone who's not up on that stands for greatest of all time. And the way you talk about your kids, and I think you, you sort of bring that same sort of, of positivity and enthusiasm, at least from a public perspective, you know, I'm not, I don't live in your house, uh, but at least from a public perspective into your family. And so, especially as, how old are the, how old are the twins now and, and the baby? How old are your kids? The, the twins are 11, the baby is six. Okay. So especially, like, I think the baby is, uh, is still in that, like, everything is, is awesome, kind of naive optimism about the world, but especially the twins as they're getting into, like, middle school and starting to, that's usually an age when people start to uh, embrace snark and being above it all and being negative. And so can you talk about how you sort of bring that same vibe into your house? Um. I mean, it's the same thing. You just—it's just better for the kids. It's why uh, when I when the boys were young, when the twins were young, I definitely started out as like, I'm gonna be the the hard ass Mexican dad. Like that, you know, that's what I grew up in. I'm gonna do the same thing because it seemed like it worked out okay for me. Yeah. And uh, and then you know you get you screw up a few things and. You have to make some choices. Like, am I going to stay this way or am I going to change? And it just seemed like it would probably be better if rather than doing that, I'm just not going to do that anymore. I'm going to be, let me be the guy who celebrates his kids. Let me be the guy who tries to pump them with as, pump them full of as much love and support as I can because the world certainly is not. The world is going to take every chance it can to just sort of, shit on them. Yes. So let me make sure that if, if, if there's no other place on the planet, they feel safe and they feel loved, they're going to feel like that in, in our house. Amen. And things have been, things have been better, certainly going at it that way. The, the baby, has, he never got the like angry dad version, but he's a wild man. He's just sort of, he doesn't follow any rules. He doesn't, he doesn't do anything he doesn't want to do. So I got to figure out how to how to fix that part. But the twins are the twins are solid. The twins are smart and they're they're cool and they're funny and they're handsome and and they know that they're they're loved. At least I think they do. Yeah. Did you have? I mean, that I, I'm interested in that sort of transition between uh, being that like you know angry authoritarian and what seems like what I'm hearing from you is there was sort of a vibe change and a deliberate vibe change was there a specific moment was that conversations with your wife like how did you how did you take the best of what was modeled for you by your own dad and then merge that into who you are and into your sort of new dad vibe 
I don't know if there was one specific moment. I do I, I do have like some times in my head that I think about like when they were playing whatever like YMCA basketball or or soccer or baseball or whatever and I can remember like yelling at them for not playing hard enough or do or you know, this this sort of dumb thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. like a lot of a yeah, lot of there. young dads who who want their kids to I don't even know. You you don't even want them to be as good as you because in in almost every case that I found, the dads who are doing that are like the shittiest, most mediocre kinds of yeah. people. Hundred percent. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, like like I'm standing there telling them that we don't we don't lose, we don't tolerate losers in this house. Meanwhile, I've been fucking losing everything my whole life, and I'm and I'm out of shape, and I don't, and I'm not very smart. And I'm like, what? What is going on? Like, there's a, there's a disconnect here. But I can yeah. remember doing that, and like yelling at them one game about, about like you didn't, you didn't earn your post game snack, so you're not gonna get it. Let's go, and then sort of taking them out of the gym, and they're like four years old or something, <laughs> and they're and they're like, what am I, what am I doing? Why, why am I doing this? This is not, this is this is stupid. But yeah, it was some, it was like a combination of things. It was that it was conversations with my wife it was just like like a general vibe that the boys were starting to give off and I just wanted to make sure it wasn't that strong quality yeah I've had that moment so many times when I'm just all heated up and then you when you back up from the situation you're like I was that mad at a three-year-old like what is my deal uh we talk a lot on the hey dad podcast about how uh being a dad has changed a lot sort of like as we were growing up the the rules and the sort of the uh the goal line moved a lot between when I was born like what it meant to be a really good dad in the early 80s or late 70s or whatever and what it means to be a good dad in 2019 feels like the bar's a lot higher um and it sounds like for you you've even had to like uh reconcile stuff with your own dad um like what is that what does that look like for you and if you're if you're going to like back up and say you know this is the type of dad I want to be this is the amount of involvement I want like how did you arrive at that with your wife and and with her experience as a parent with your experience as a parent to decide like this is the this is the type of dad that my kids need from me and that I'm going to choose to be even if it's even if it's a lot harder than it was 50 years ago and requires a lot more of my time and energy. Well, first of all, the, the bar has moved a little bit, but it's still incredibly low. It's yeah, so easy to, it's so easy to be, to be called a good dad or for people to think you're a good dad. Like I this is a, this is an easy, perfect example. I was with, I was with the twins and we were at, I think it was like a Target. It might have been Target, might have been Walmart. This was five or six years ago. So they're, you know, they were about five or six at the time. We're at Target. Uh, I pull into the parking lot. I get out of my car. I'm like, all right, let's go, little boys. Follow me. And I start walking, and I'm walking toward Target. And I'm, I'm like, I take out my phone, and I'm checking my messages as I'm walking. We're going through the thing. And a car stops, pulls up next to me. And the, it's like an older woman in a car and her window her window goes down and she's like, Oh my god, it's so it's so great to me to see dads 
like you taking their kids to stores. First of all, you're like, what, like, what the fuck is this? Like, I'm being celebrated for going to Target. But more than that, when I looked, I only had one of my kids with me. The other kid, the other kid had climbed into the back of a truck. Shut up. To us. He was just like getting in the truck because he, he, you know, kids want to be higher up <laughs> all of the time. And like, that's, the, like, that's, that's all you have to do to be like a good dad yep. in 2019 is like go somewhere with a kid or post a picture on the internet of your kid and get half of your kids, half of your kids into a store. You did it. I only know where, where at most one of my three kids are at any point of the day. And everybody is like, wow, Shay is like, Shay is a a remarkable father. Look at him doing these things. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm like a, at best, I'm a slightly below average dad. (laughs) <laughs> and, and that is somehow still like a, you still get a bunch of awards and everybody yeah. celebrates you I we was just it. reading this there's this really good article in the New York Times that came out I think it was last week and it was titled What Good Dads Get Away With Yep. and it was this whole thing about uh, about how they st- you know even the, the dads labeled as good still don't help out like they should they do a very tiny amount of the stuff that they should and it's just it's just crazy. Uh, so I, as far as like figuring out what kind of dad you want to be or what kind of dad I wanted to be, it was the same thing. I talked to Laramie. Laramie's my wife who she's really in tune with all of this stuff and she's just like a smarter person in general than I am. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, lean on, lean on her for the, for that sort of insight. And then I just, I just try to do like the, the things in my head that I remember my dad doing with me. I just try to do those things maybe a little more often. And that's it. Yeah, that's good. We did a we did an entire episode about what you just described uh, because all of us have like three or four versions of that same story where we just yeah. like they th- someone throws us a parade for doing like table stakes dad things, and uh-huh. you even see it now in like commercials that are sort of trying to like pander to this new dynamic of involved dads, and it's still like. Here's to the super dads. And then it's just a montage of dads doing like extremely normal dad things. Like just, yeah, just changing a diaper, like showing up at drop off for, for school or something. You know, meanwhile, yeah, exactly. since the dawn of time, women have been carrying this massive burden while men, you know, sort of did their thing. But on the bright side, I think one of the things we're sort of tapping into with the podcast is it feels like this dynamic is, is slowly changing and for the dads that really are leaning in and saying, no, I actually do want to chase something resembling equal co-parenting here or single dads or all the other, you know, families, uh, there's not like one way to have a good family. Like there, you know, seem like there used to be. And so in the middle of all of that, that's sort of the, we're trying to just have a conversation about what that looks like and, uh, and not take ourselves too seriously. So anyway, I guess all of that to say, I totally relate to that story because I've had so many, and it always seems to be like a mid fifties to mid sixties woman. Who's just like you sweet young man, you're doing such a great job. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you mentioned earlier, you said, uh, when you were talking about your, your own dad, you said, I started out, you know, wanted to be this, you know, Mexican hard ass disciplinarian dude. Um, and, and you, especially like on Twitter, you know, you're, uh, I've, I've noticed how important your Mexican heritage is to you. I mean, that, that Mexicans are perfect tweet that comes out, you know, whenever you're at 
Bartholomew's or other other places or, or that that spot on Bartholomew. Um, can you talk about like your heritage and your wife's heritage and like how you how as a dad you're you're uh, you are have to be intentional about your kids' identity and helping them to understand who they are and how they fit in and you know your wife's family and your family and all of that as a mixed race family. Uh, sure. So I'm Mexican, or I guess technically Mexican American. I just say Mexican. Laramie is is black. She's from Houston. I'm from San Antonio. But you know, so the kids are are from that world and. I mean, really, we didn't start talking about that stuff until, I don't know, the boys, the boys, the first time we had conversation, they're pretty young, I guess, five or six. The first time they pointed out the school that they were going to at the time was like predominantly white. Mm-hmm. And so they were asking, you know, why they identified a kid as, as, a, as a, you know, why does he have yellow hair? Why does everybody have yellow hair? And I don't have mm-hmm. yellow hair, this sort of thing. Cause there were only, I think, like, three or four Mexican kids in the whole school and like, I'm in, in like the grade level, three or four black kids in that grade level. So they weren't seeing a lot of themselves. And that's really how all of that stuff, that conversation started. And then you know, the older they got, the more they started to understand that, what, you know, what race is or what ethnicity is. And it's just your, your responsibility as the parents to like make sure they understand where they fit in the world and what sort of life is expected of them. And some of the, like, where they're to the age now where you can explain some of the, like, unfair parts of it. Yep. Like, you're not allowed to do some of the same stuff that a friend that you have who is white might be allowed to do. You can't get away with the same stuff. There's just no way around it. You need to understand this. And, you you know, you, you just sort of put that in there in their ears and I don't know, you try to make sure that they figure it out. Eventually they're going to learn that lesson on their own mm-hmm. and that'll probably be when it really, when it really sinks in, but you can't do much more than talk to them about it. Um, that part of it. And then like, of course, the good part is you, you have all of this like really cool culture that sort of you are a part of and that belongs to you just by birth. Mm-hmm. And like you want to celebrate, celebrate that as much as possible as well. Yeah, you're talking about this stuff that, you know, they can't get away with. How do you, how do you straddle that line as you're introducing them to, in, in a way that a kid can understand things like systemic racism and in, injustice that exists on a scale that's hard for anyone to fathom, much less the six or seven year old? Um, how do you, how do you sort of prepare them for the world that is while still having some sort of hope or aspiration for the world that should be like, how do you, I don't know. How do you, how do you draw those lines in, in conversations with kids? I, well, it just depends on how old they are. Like we didn't start having those conversations with the boys until recently, until like a year ago mm-hmm. when, when they got tall, they mm-hmm. got tall and, and one of them has an Afro and the other one has like a nice little fade or whatever, but it's like, Okay, this is how the world is going to see you. You're not, when they look at you right now, you're not going to just be a cute kid anymore. They're going to see you as a person of color first. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's just sort of how it starts. And there's like, there's not a delicate way or, or, a, or an easy way to have that conversation. 
other than just to make them understand like that these are the these are the, the parts of it that suck, these are the parts of it that are great. And mm-hmm. somewhere in the middle is where you are and I just want to make sure that you understand the stakes here and that you understand yep. both parts of it. That's really all that you that you can do. It's like it's like trying to talk somebody talk to somebody about a fist fight they're going to get into. Mm-hmm. And like you can only say so much. You can't explain to them exactly what it feels like to get hit. You just got to get hit. But you prepare them as best you can, and then you just sort of cross your fingers and and hope. Yeah, and you, you mentioned how high the stakes are, and that's why you can't tiptoe around these things too much because of the way that, you know, the world might see one of the twins in a particular circumstance. Yeah, exactly. So you got to know. Yeah. Um, okay, well, thanks for that. So I got a few, like, quick questions at the end that we can kind of just do lightning round style where I want to uh, just touch on a few of the things that I know you love. So first question, tell me what you have learned about being a dad from the GOAT, Greg Popovich? Um, The thing that I learned about being a dad from Greg Popovich is that there's definitely a way for you to hold somebody accountable while also letting them know that you care a great deal about them. I think that's the biggest biggest part. Like if, if a kid knows, if a person knows that you that at the center of everything is your love for this person, and the other stuff you say, they 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 take it differently. It's a, it's like the difference between me telling you, hey, you did a bad job on the podcast because of this, or hey, you did a good job on the podcast because of this, versus somebody that you spend a lot of time with and you care about, and and when they say it to you, or even somebody that you look up to, when they say it, you're like, oh, okay, this is like you just receive that information differently. I think I learned that probably from my dad first, but also Greg Popovich. Yeah, dude, he models that so well with his players, but even with sideline reporters where he he tolerates no terrible questions, and yet all of them love him uh, yeah. because they know that he wants to make them better. Uh, okay, so if you could pick one rapper today to be your dad, who would it be? I would pick... I would pick somebody who is older than me. It's got to be older than me because I'm so weird. So somebody younger than me. That's a good point. So I would go, so that eliminates a lot of them. Um, I would pick somebody who is smart and influential and successful, but successful in a way that feels important, not just like a rich successful. I would pick Rakim. That's what I would pick. The, the father, the father of, Modern rap, really. Love it. He just sort of changed changed the way that people were rapping. Yeah, he's a revered figure, but not like a not like a commercial figure. He just seems he's just a cool person. Yeah, type of dude that you feel like he just knows stuff about stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, love that. Okay, same question, except for characters on The Office. Oh, Michael Scott. Absolutely. He's like, he's a total sweetheart. He screws things up a lot, but he almost always does it because he like loves the thing. Yeah. And uh, I think that's like, you know, that's the center of 
that's just one of being a dad. You're going to screw up a bunch of stuff, but like as long as you're trying, he's, he's almost always trying for the right reasons. Yeah. Yep. Heart always in the right place. Okay. So, uh, Shea Serrano, you can find him on Twitter at Shea Serrano. He wrote a book called the rap yearbook, which, uh, my wife got for me for Christmas a while back. And I've gone through so many times. He wrote a book called basketball and other things which might be even better. I don't know. I sort of go back and forth. He wrote, uh, a, I don't know, what, what do you call conference room five minutes? What is that? Like a, is it a book? What would you call it? Nah, it's, a, it's just a PDF. It's a, it's a yeah, PDF it's, is all it is. Yeah, but it's pretty amazing. About The Office, um, he's got a book coming out. When is Movies and Other Things? Is that uh, October 8th. October 8th. He's got a podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network called Villains, uh, where he and other folks dissect uh, movie villains, and it's very entertaining. And he's got a podcast coming out soon called With a Pencil uh, about John Wick. Is there anything else that we should plug, Shay? No, nah, you, you plugged more stuff than I plugged. So yeah. <laughs> he's just the best. So, Shay, thanks so much for being a part of this, and just personally... Uh, I, one of the things I find myself saying a lot is, uh, it's more fun to like things than to not like things. And yeah. I think a lot of that, uh, actually did come from you and the, just the vibe that you put out there. And I appreciate you a lot from afar. I appreciate that when I was in San Antonio, you told me where to go eat. And when I was there, you would have been really proud of the way the Spurs sent off Dirk. So anyway, all that to say, Shay, love you, man, from afar and uh, keep going. I right, only later. Okay. Okay. Loved that. What a cool friggin' dude. Um, my first observation was when you asked which rapper he would pick to be his dad, and he said Rakim. I had to Google who Rakim was, which made me feel deeply uncool. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it was also great because it was so clear that he really thought about it. Like, he stalled for a while he before like, he answered huh. that question. He's like, I'm not going to mess this one up. Yeah, because you asked him at the office. He's like, oh, Michael Scott, next question. Like, yeah. don't waste my time. And then, but you were like, rapper. And he's like, okay, okay. <laughs> this is good. And he's, like, okay. and he's like, I'm now, I'm going to transport myself to a timeline that I'm very excited about. <laughs> One of the things that I thought uh, sort of that I took away <clears throat> is uh, I thought there was just like an interesting parallel between the conversation that we had about um, his kids and their identity and the hard conversations that he's had to have with them about oh, who man, they yeah. are and the way the world sees them. Yeah. Dang. And that there's an interesting parallel between that and the conversations that we had about positivity. And I think for me, part of the reason why you need to, um, you need to uh, cultivate a sense of optimism in your home and cultivate a sense of optimism with your kids is so that when you have to have those hard conversations about some aspect about the way the world is, that isn't fair, Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't just validate, a negative worldview that they already have. And it doesn't just feed a cynicism that comes naturally to so many of us, but instead it's an opportunity to say, yeah, um, I've spent so much time telling you about the world that could be and the world that should be and the world that we're going to try to create in this house. But let's take a minute to acknowledge that that's not, that's not the world we live in yet. 
Well, and it gives more credence to like when those moments come where you sit your kid down and you're like, hey, you know, you know me, you know your dad, you know how I usually am. And and right now I'm going to look you in the eye and say something like a little off brand, like, like, and I want you to take this seriously. Like, this is important. And well, that's also what he was saying about, about Greg Popovich, who, for those of you that aren't sports fans, he's the legendary head coach of the San Antonio Spurs. Shay's from San Antonio. He's a big Spurs fan. But he was basically saying the same thing where when you know you're loved, you can hear hard truths from someone. Yeah. And I was hearing Shay basically say, because my kids know they're loved and they're safe, they can hear hard truths from me. And and honestly, I just think also just as a, a white dad with white kids, um, you know, I'm not it, with it was, yellow hair. With with yellow <laughs> as, hair, as just his like kids described. Just yeah. like he said, like it it did, it was yet another reminder for me of the conversations that I don't have to have with my kids or a conversation, a a different flavor of a conversation that I do have with my kids around, you know, people that don't look like us. And, you know, Gideon's obsessed with Martin Luther King, for example, that's like his favorite. He's, you know, seven. And right now as a historical figure, that's the guy that he's like latched onto. And so he brings him up a lot and we have a lot of conversations about these things, but we, we're still having that conversation from a position of privilege and from a position of, um, majority cultureness, majority. Yeah. And just like, you know, the, the narrative at least that he can sort of handle right now at the age of seven is we're mostly on the other side of that. And there are still some people who, you know, don't understand that, you know, just that we're all the same on the inside and that everybody's important equally and everybody has, you know, experiences that are valid. And he, he, um, even though there's some people that maybe don't see that, like we do. And we, and so he has this kind of like safe little, yeah, I think that racism exists somewhere far away. Somewhere over there. And, and, and I think when it, for a seven year old, it's okay that he, that he feels that way, but Shay doesn't get to have those conversations with his kids because they're, they're experiencing, you know, uh, hopefully not relentlessly all the time every day, but I'm sure each one of his kids has had some sort of meaningful negative experience with other people that view them negatively just because of the way they look. That's that's where I where I went with it, thinking I'm going to have a totally different conversation with my boys, you know, who are white, just to go, okay, he, he, he used language like, uh, you know, he's telling his kids where they fit in the world, what's expected of them. There's some stuff uh, that's not okay for you. He says, you know, there, yeah, you, there's things you can't get away with that other kids, you know, parentheses, white kids, you know, can get away with. And you're just like, and I, I just listening to that going, ugh, because I'm going to have a totally different conversation uh, with my kids. I, I want my boys to know that, like, you are not experiencing life in the same way as someone whose skin is different color than yours, the same way that they're experiencing life. And, like, I want my boys to have empathy and to like appreciate diversity and celebrate that. And, and, uh, I don't know. I, I, I just, I'm just, that's where I went with it going. I'm going to have a totally different conversation with my kids and, you know, an age appropriate one. I, 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 I was glad that he, uh, I'm glad that he's thinking about that. Like, okay, here's the conversation I can have with them when they're five or when they're seven or when they're, you know, 12, you know, but just going, man, uh, there's, there's already so many things that I'm going to have to help my kids navigate and prepare them for so that they're good humans. And then on top of that, there's this whole system that's tilted in 
your favor, you know, talking to my, my, my boys and it's not tilted towards other people. And we got to talk about this. And I'm just thinking, man, and the, the responsibility that comes with that and, oh gosh, and the so mandate that we all have to make that system not tilted anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, like, I think for Shay too, I mean, the thing that was like bringing it home, like he posts pictures of his kids occasionally, um, on Twitter. And he mentioned like one of them has an Afro and one of them has mm-hmm. a, a nice little fade. Mm-hmm. But like his sons are like looking older and older and Mm -hmm. that the the conversation I think that he's having with them now is like people see you and they're intimidated by you or they think you're dangerous or they think you're older than you are or they just have preconceived notions about you and the type of person you are and, you know, the danger you might pose to them because of all these lies that our culture tells. And so I think that... Um, again, I was just reminded of, of how my experience as a dad, while totally valid and great, and I, I'm doing my absolute best, um, just isn't the lived experience of so many other dads and that they're facing challenging conversations and truths that I'm, that I'm not facing. I'm sure like every generation of parents probably feels like, oh, the world that my kids are stepping into is the most complicated situation that anybody's ever had to face. But I don't know. I just, just with this one, with like, um, with how much I, I want my kids to break with this broken system and, and do something different. I just, I don't know. I guess I, I feel like we could make a case that no, our, our kids are heading into the most complicated kind of situation. And I know I'm, I'm sure we're, I'm sure we're biased, but just that feeling that, that parents have to have in every single generation is to go, Oh, this is, this is the hardest world to step into. And how could I possibly prepare my kids to be good humans? Yeah. And I think we talk a lot about, um, a lot of the like sort of micro stuff, um, that adds up to be really important to be clear, but you know, vacation dad or what bath time, bedtime, whatever. Um, but I think like one of the the core like driving motivations that so many of us have once you have kids is like, I want the world to be better for them than it was for us. Mm-hmm. And I think especially as parents that are, have, are raising kids in privilege, like we are, there's that mandate to say, no, I don't just want you to have a better life than I did. I want to, I want us together, me and my kids and my wife, our whole family to be a part of making sure that everybody does. I want you to Mm -hmm. inherit a better world, not just because it's more prosperous, although cool, Mm -hmm. or not just because we're doing a better job taking care of the planet. Although, yeah, we better friggin' figure that out, but also just a world that's just fairer. Mm -hmm. I had this thought with, with David, I was on a walk with him. Um, he was in a stroller and, uh, I'm, I'm more reserved when it comes to like engaging with people and saying hello and, and, and all that. But David, just every single person that we pass, there's a, there's a rehabilitation center close to us where a lot of people in wheelchairs and they're just, you know, they're having their, you know, their break out, hanging out outside. And there's, a, you know, there's different, there's a homeless guy in, in front of the 7-Eleven and, but just every single person that we pass where I might hesitate to say hello to somebody just because, you know, I don't know you and I'm just, you know, I'm thinking my own thoughts. I'm living my own life today. David's just like, hi, hi, hi. And he's saying hi to just like this wide diversity of, uh, 
different people, different walks of life. And, and that's it's not that, selective. No. And he's just, he just sees like, you're my neighbor, you're my neighbor, you're human, you're human. I'm excited to Love see that. you. And he's just equally excited to see everybody. And, and he says, hi, and you just see their face brighten up. And I, I just, I had that thought like, okay, David, I hesitate to reach out and say hi to people. Uh, you don't. And I hope this is one aspect of life where you go further than me, where uh, you mm-hmm. see you, you see people's humanity and neighbors mm-hmm. and you just you just brighten their day regardless of what kind of person they are and what they look like. Well, and that's one of those really cool moments where it sounds like you like your kids get to lead you and yep. your kids get to teach you where yep. you're like, David's right on this one. Mm-hmm. You know, he hasn't he hasn't learned the lie lesson of like be skeptical, like assess everyone and see if they're mm-hmm. worth your time or mm-hmm. your affection or your whatever. Like yeah. David is undis- like undiscriminatingly happy to see everyone kind of about the same because he doesn't have anything informing why he would be more or less happy to see anyone. And mm-hmm. like when you see how much dignity and like delight it brings someone, you're like, oh man, David's right. Like, yeah. Okay. I, I want to be, be more like that. I need to be like, more like, David. I want to be more yep. childlike in that uh-huh. way. Like that's, that's very, very cool. Uh-huh. Changing gears a little bit. I thought it was fascinating how Shay talked about kind of shifting his dad mode between the early years of raising his twins and then the baby, as he calls them. Uh, like he softened and like tweaked his mode of operation between round one and two. Um, you guys all now have multiple kids. Have you experienced any of that? Are you just now getting into that? Like, can you see how that could be? Do you think that's like a responding to the personalities of your kids kind of thing? Or that's distinctly like lessons learned from, oh, the way I thought I was going to be a dad versus the way I'm going to, I want to be a dad and I'm going to choose to be a dad. Yeah, I for sure. I for sure see that and feel that. And there are a couple, it's actually like a similar trajectory, I think for me as well, where I think especially with Gideon, our first one, like you're so like flustered by every new thing and I'm, I'm the context I'm specifically thinking about. is just like when we're at someone else's house or in some sort of public place and he's just like not being good or like throwing a tantrum or whatever. I think I'm slowly getting better at like, just like kids got to feel their feelings. And that doesn't mean I'm going to like let him or her like just go buck wild and like ruin everybody's day. But it also means I'm not just going to, I don't know, jump up their butt every time they do something that like kids do. And like, that's the other, the other sort of like, that was my favorite scene in Ant-Man, by the way, (laughs) when he jumped jumped up their butt. Uh, I can't believe that's how he killed Thanos. That was crazy. uh, Hashtag spoilers. Um, Oh, sorry. The other thing for me is like, I think pretty similarly to Shay, like with Gideon and even with Julian, at least for a while, like spanking was a part of our sort of like discipline arsenal. And like, I just found for me, like, and I, I don't want to necessarily open this can of worms, but like for just all to speak for me, like it wasn't working. I didn't like the way I felt. I didn't like the way my kids responded to it. Like, yeah, I might be getting the whatever behavior change that I needed in the short term, but it was based on fear and I was operating from a position of anger. And I couldn't get past personally the part where I'm like, I'm bigger than you and I'm hitting you that I can't get past that. But that's like a, a big part of like, what is, 
so overwhelming about being a dad is that like you, f- you feel like you're figuring it out as you go. And it's probably the type of thing where like as soon as your kids are out of the house, you're like, I feel like I'm ready to be a good dad now. <laughs> like, I think I know how to do this. The other thing I loved is just I think it was the first question I asked around uh, around positivity and, and where it came from and his answer around that it came from being a teacher and and. Uh, like for the standardized tests, like maybe I can't make it fun, but I can make it as fun as it can be. I th- actually think that's really profound and yeah, and a really yeah. cool way to think about how to motivate people and how to get the thing that you want and have fun doing it is like, and that's whether in the workplace or at home or whatever, it's just like, what if a big part of my job as a dad is how do I make this as fun as it can be? Even if the thing is something that's like, we've got to do, even if it's chores, even if it's homework, even if it's something that's, I'm not just saying it's like ice cream and video games all day, but even in the middle of that, like I would love if part of what my kids remembered about me is like, dad always made it as fun as it could be, no matter what it was. We've talked about the, or at least in passing, like the Enneagram before on here. And like as a Enneagram seven, which is like the enthusiast, that's always like a I didn't. I didn't realize. I didn't realize I was operating in this way until I had someone spell it out for me. But like one of the kind of mantras or mottos is like anything can be fun with enough effort. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I heard someone describe that, and I was like, yes, ex- yeah, obviously. Like, and I kind of looked around, like, yeah, you right, guys, right? <laughs> and I saw people kind of like, uh, no, you know. And, and I think that's that is something I'm I'm looking forward to exploring in dadhood is like that uh that challenge and that uh that natural bent and like determination to find the fun but also like the challenge to go like yeah how i'm not gonna go like i'm gonna make it fun because i'm gonna give you candy every time you obey me but to go like how how do you make the mundane fun how do you create a family culture where kids like find delight and enjoyment in just like existing and in just going like hey this is what we do like we're brushing our teeth and like it could be a memory if we tried hard enough. Yep. You know? Love that. Thank you, Shay. So we just talked a lot about positivity. Shay talked a lot about positivity. And I, I think it's clear that we're all very much on the same page as far as how powerful positivity is. But sometimes uh, in order to channel the positivity that that we need to be great dads, to have great families, we got to let off a little steam. we got to talk about the things we really hate. So that's what we're going to do right now. This is a little segment called, You Know What I Hate. Hey guys, you know what I hate? What do you hate, Kev? I hate life touch photos. Okay. Let me tell you why I hate life touch photos. Okay. This is the shadiest pile of garbage I've ever come in contact with. So here's how it works. Life touch, if you'll remember, takes photos like team photos, school photos, first day of school photos, etc. Is it regional? Is this going to be a regional-based joke? Like I don't referring know. to something as Hardee's or Carl's Jr.? <laughs> I hope not. But here's the deal. Here's what Life Touch does now. I mean, East remember, Coast is guys, called Death Punch, not when, Life Touch. <laughs> when, we, when we were kids, mom never bought our school photos. No. Nope. And nor should she, because she could take photos of us and it wouldn't cost $40. Here's the thing, though. Here's what Life Touch does now. Everybody's got iPhones. Everybody takes a billion pictures of their kids. My guess is nobody wants to buy these photos anymore. So here's their strategy. They take photos of your kids. They like work a deal with the school. We'll show up. We'll take photos for free. And then you don't fill out an order form. They just send the photos home with you. And then they bill you. 
Oh, that's dirty. Wait, oh, so they nice. send the photo home with your kid, and you think to yourself, at least me, oh, I must have ordered photos. That's weird. You take them out, you give them away, you cut them up, and then two weeks later, you get a bill that says, hey, if you don't return those photos that you we gave you, that'll be $45. Oh, and you've already distributed them. That is... Terrible. Oh, that's, that's that is very, immoral. I'm gonna be honest. That's very good. If you Truly work for Life a Touch, Columbia House Record Club, a hundred percent. I I mean this from the bottom of my heart. If you work for Life Touch, I hate you. <laughs> I hate who you are, and I hope bad things happen in your life. Hey, you guys know what I hate? What do you hate, Derek? Hate. I hate thinking back to when I was a kid and we all got those life touch photos and we all got the same background, but there was that one kid who was like extra, you know, BA stands for badass. And he got like the cool space age laser background. Aww. And he'd be like, what the frick dude? Like, meanwhile, my parents are picking the same pastel splotch and blob that everyone else did. <laughs> Guy over here gets the, poster to starship troopers in the back of his picture he thought he was so cool about it i hate that Get out of here splotch and blob was my favorite gamecube game i was just trying to f- figure out how to make a splotch and blob joke but the gamecube was the right direction guys you know what i hate what do you hate Dude. Ange? uh disney's fast play mm. it's, uh, i don't, I don't okay, even know no. what that is I'll, I'll continue here's the question is is it really fast I say no. Uh, the DVD menu programmer on staff for Disney, he's got one job, which is to make it impossible for you to actually watch your movie. Uh, here's, here's what happens. You forget about Fast Play. You just pop in the DVD. And then the DVD announcer guy says that it's Fast Play time. And you've got like an eighth of a second to leap across the room and grab the DVD remote and select play movie. And you if skip you can't all the do that right? because nobody can, then you're subjected to 20 minutes of Disney marketing. Um, so then even for the few times that I actually remember that fast play is coming, I'm having a full blown anxiety attack as <laughs> I'm holding the remote, hoping that when the time comes, I can work that remote quickly enough. Derek, as a Disney employee, your thoughts <laughs> as a volunteer Disney employee, I've just always laughed because I know exactly what the Disney fast play thing is. And, and if you look closely, they've copyrighted that. That is an innovation to them. They're like, yo, you know, you might be buying DVDs from, uh, from Universal. DreamWorks, but uh, they don't got fast play like we do. Uh, fast play being the ability to skip four commercials. <laughs> you guys know what I hate? What do you hate, Tuck? I want to know. Um, this this one might be too hyper specific. I'm hoping that you've experienced this. Actually, no, I'm not hoping you've experienced this. <laughs> um, how do I even set this up? It's like when you're giving an update on something you did or like something you've got going on and you're like, oh, yesterday I went to blah, blah, blah. And then some dude, it's always a dude's like, yeah, you did. Oh, <laughs> Do you know that yeah. thing? Or you're like, you're like, oh, yeah. I got a burrito for lunch. I'm, yeah, I'm you did. To, I'm going to Mexico next week. Yeah, you are. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I literally just said that I did that thing. Like, I'm, I, like I want to just look at that guy and go, I know. That's what I said. Bro, I'm going like, to be dead uh, honest. I feel like I am that guy sometimes, and then I don't even know why I do it. I'll say it, and I'll be like, who, who was that? Why did I'm, that happen? I'm mm. just like, can you find a more creative, less redundant way to encourage me than just to agree with me loudly <laughs> the thing that I just said I did? Mm-hmm. 
That's what I, I think I think I've done that when I'm not actually listening to something that somebody tells me. <laughs> <laughs> and I hear I just hear like the tiniest thing, like they're going on a cruise or they got a great deal at some store. And yeah, and I'm like, oh, I better listen. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you did. It's just like a really aggressive form of active listening. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's you passive, got- aggressive, aggressive, active, <laughs> passive listening. Hey, you know what I hate? It was cute, though. Yeah. What do you hate, man? I hate seeing pictures of your trip. I straight up don't care. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't show me pictures of your trip. This is good. Oh, Dad, okay. I'm, this is for you, Steve Matson. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about your trip. I'm really glad you went. If you want to like post one photo, that's great. Or if you want to just like tell me about it, like sit down, tell me something cool. But just scrolling through pictures on your phone when like 95% of them are terrible and then you're just going to tell me about some person that I've never met, will never meet. I can't focus. I don't care. Stop talking. Yeah, All you need exactly to do, it. Kev, is next time someone's like, I just went to uh, Denver, just go, yeah, you did. And high five them and walk away. <laughs> or do the dumb and dumber, no, and I don't care. Yeah, exactly. So uh, at CVS, I hate the long ass receipts that you get at the end oh, of the yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're they're so the long. Thing. And it's, it's crazy. like, do you want a you want a receipt? And um, before I can say no, <laughs> and that printer thing is just going and going. And I was raised, I don't know about you guys, I was raised on a lot of Earth friendly cartoons, Fern Gully, mm-hmm. Captain, Captain Planet, Planet, yeah, Toxic Crusaders, and We're this, back. Is, a, this is a huge waste of paper. You can watch them blow. I'm supposed to just carry around this ream of paper with me. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Well, I mean, it's it's watch them blob. Blob. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of like a purist. Like I liked the animation, like the animated version of Swatch and Blob, but now they have this live action <laughs> remake that they're doing. Uh, I think they got uh, Whoopi in it, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. also Ted Danson, <laughs> and uh, also the kid from Even Stevens that plays Beans. I don't remember his name. Spencer Breslin. Okay. <laughs> Here's the thing that made me mad. Uh, they're making Blob a girl now, and that <sighs> ruins my, my whole childhood. childhood. <laughs> Hashtag not my Blob, you know what so, I mean? So Hashtag Spl- not my Blob. So Splotch and Blob took over the drive time on, on K95 The Rock. And, um, <laughs> That's a good one. You're here with Splotch and Blob. <laughs> That's so fun. Hey, you guys know what I hate, though? What do you hate, Kev? I hate when you, uh, when you get one of those like magic showers where you're just like, it's peaceful and like you're kind of like zen. Oh. Mm-hmm. And everything's great and you feel clean. And especially for me, like if if I go for a run and I'm like a little bit sore and then I get clean and it's like nighttime, it's my favorite feeling in the world. Mm-hmm. And then you get out of the shower and the first thing you dry off is your face. And then the towel just smells like butt. <laughs> that feeling where I was so clean yeah. and I just rubbed my face with mold yeah. is the worst yeah. okay, feeling. So I want, I need clarification. Is it butt or mold? Yeah. Because, <laughs> because what I'm, what I'm trying to figure out is in your family, is there someone who takes a shower and then wipes a part of their body that still smells like butt? <laughs> no, I, to be clear, it is mildew. It's mildew. Okay. So, so, Hey, you know what I hate? How like, Kevin just wasted two minutes of our lives when I could just say, I don't know, do laundry more. Wait, does does this not happen to anyone else? No, because no, I wash our towels, towels regularly. Good, I'm not a man. monster. Yeah, Kevin, it happens to me 
more often than I'd like to admit. That makes yeah. me feel terrible that it's gross. only... In- oh, don't you freaking different- dare, Tyler. I <laughs> moved out of a bathroom with you and Andy because you guys are animals. Okay, that yeah, was but, before but I tell was the married. Good people, tell the good people why you moved out of the bathroom. Uh, yeah, because you guys spent like a year collecting your own belly button lint and you made a pile the size of my head. We got you to move out of the bathroom, didn't we? It took you that long to notice the pile. It was so... And also, just the floor around the toilet was just straight up yellow cake <laughs> okay well that i i can't explain for that, for that i take 80 percent credit you guys are disgusting <laughs> no i'm i'm for sure the cleanest now yeah. out of the three of us okay. that's 1000 percent not true oh let's fight on this one <laughs> let's make this a whole episode uh, like we get hey tight just can we both agree andy's for sure the grossest yeah, yeah i, I yeah. agree <laughs> <laughs> i fully agree Guys, we know what I hate though. What? Songs about quote all night long. Okay, Whoa. okay, yes. Keep that going. sounds exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 babe, I love you. Let's let's have a beautiful time together, just once, and then let's freaking go to bed because holy crap, we've got two kids and they're gonna be up at six a.m. no matter what. If somebody wanted to go all night long, I'd be like. Get First of, of all, let's be honest. I can't. Second of all, I don't even <laughs> yeah. want to. You're like, who am I? Don't Sting. Want to, I can't. Uh, uh, you guys know what I hate? What do you hate? What? So I'm not. I'm not a dad yet, but I already have that weird dad pride in my yard. Mm. So oh, okay, yeah, I like this. I'm, okay. I'm laying paver stones for like a back patio this week. I'm not. I'm like. A, I'm like halfway done. And I can already tell that I'm going to be way too proud of it. Like, <laughs> are, are you Tyler? Tyler, answer me this: Are you wearing Are you wearing Dockers shorts while you examine your your progress? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely I'm definitely like putting my hand on my hip and like putting my 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 other hand over my eyes to create like a visor effect to survey the land, like even when it's not yeah, bright yeah. out. Like, I can't wait till like living in San Francisco with like a postage stamp sized lawn, like you have a riding mower. No, like, yeah, for sure. Like, <laughs> could you just, could you describe the polo shirt that you have tucked in your, um, <laughs> so which, which Tommy Bahama shirt are you wearing? <laughs> Tell me the color of your life is good hat. <laughs> your old guy's real shirt must be really great. Which uh, which cruise destination is on your beer cozy? <laughs> which Jimmy Buffett greatest hits record are you listening to? Yeah. I just know that people are gonna come over to our place in San Francisco, and it'll and be like first they're gonna 51. say, "Are those shoes Kirkland signature?" And then what are they gonna say? <laughs> and then they'll touch the thermostat, and I'll be able to know. No, but it'll be like fifty-one degrees and drizzling, and I'm gonna be like, "Oh, we should probably like move this party out onto the patio, huh?" Like I'm just gonna be that guy. You know what I mean? All right. Well, that's all for this episode of the Hey Dad podcast. Derek, uh, before we go, can you tell us about the next episode? Because I think people are looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be a weird one. We got 17th century uh, Dutch theologian Cornelius Jansen here, uh, and he just wants to talk about Lauren Hill. And we were like, dude, um, we talk about like theology. And he's like, no, nah, man, I want to talk about doo-wop, parenthetical. I want to talk about the meaning of the word miseducation. Just like, what? (laughs) What is it? Well, that's all for this week. I'm Kevin. I'm Derek. I'm Andy. And I'm Tyler. Love you. Bye.